Welcome once again, everybody, to Mosaic Church. If you have your Bibles with you today, go ahead and get those out or your phone on the Bible app and get ready. We're going to get into God's Word today, but I just want to welcome you once again uh, to Easter at Mosaic. I'm so thankful to have you here, and, and man, I'm just so excited about what God is about to do uh, in our lives today, and so thanks for coming. But we're starting a series today called Chasing Purpose, and I really believe that our purpose began at the foot of the cross and at the empty tomb. And so what better day to talk about purpose and why in the world we're here on this earth than Easter Sunday. Some of you, depending on your background, you might be asking the question, what in the world does Easter have to do with me, right? Maybe you showed up today for your mom or your spouse or maybe a neighbor invited you or a coworker invited you today. And whether you're here in this room or whether you're online today, I just wanna say thanks for coming. And however and why you got here, I think is secondary to what we're going to talk about today. Maybe this is your one trip to church a year, right? Maybe you're afraid when you walked in the building that lightning was going to strike. And, but I just want to ensure you, you're going to be all right. And, and God's just not like that. No problem. Wherever you're coming from, whatever your background is, we're glad that you're here today. Here at Mosaic, I like to tell people that we're a three-chair church. What does that mean? It believes that, that we really believe that a healthy church is made up of thirds, right? The first chair represents unbelievers. We are a church that believes that if we're doing what God has called us to do, there's going to be people here sitting in these seats that don't yet believe, right? Because this is the mission that God has given us to, to spread what he's told us to other people. And so if you're here and you don't believe, you're, you would classify yourself as an unbeliever, we're so glad that you're here. And I just want to say, hey, sit back and relax. This is a safe place for you to kick the tires, to get to know Jesus, to, to explore what it means to be a Christ follower. If you just have questions about God, you're in the right spot. The second chair, it represents new believers. And these are people that just gave their heart and lives to Christ and they've begun their journey of growth. And I'm so glad that it's a journey. Even before I met Christ, I was on a journey towards meeting Christ. And then when people get saved and when they put their faith and trust in Christ, it's like, man, a passion bomb blows up in their life. And they're so excited about what Jesus did in their life. New believers are some of my favorite people on the planet because they're, they're so in love with Jesus. And then the third chair represents mature believers. And hopefully maturity means that you're helping other people get to know Jesus. Because you see, years in church doesn't equal maturity. Have you ever known somebody that went to church their whole life but didn't necessarily act very much like Jesus? And a lot of us can say, woe is me, because we've all been that person sometimes. You know, that just because you say one thing doesn't mean you're actually living it out. And what I love about Mosaic is this is a safe place for all three chairs to grow and come and, and learn more about Jesus. But Jesus is in the center. It's all about him. And when you come in these doors to this church, I pray that you meet him in a powerful way. And so as we get into this series, I believe that we are a people of purpose. You are not here by accident today. This is not just another Easter Sunday. You're here for a reason. You're on this earth for a reason. But when people don't know or they haven't found their purpose yet, they chase after it in so many different ways. What do we chase our purpose through? We try to find purpose in so many things like pleasure, prestige, power. Maybe this year, this crazy last year that we have, 
You're just chasing normalcy, right? You're chasing stability. Maybe you're chasing a job again because you lost yours. Maybe you're chasing connection because it's been so long since you've had that face-to-face connection with people that, you, that your heart so craves. Maybe you feel like you can't figure out which way is up, which way is down, where you are, what you thought your life was supposed to be about, just completely disintegrated over the past year. You're feeling empty. Maybe you just stopped chasing. Like, you could just cross that word out and you're like, I don't know my purpose and I quit looking because this year has been so all over the place. You're just existing. We all crave adventure, life. We crave for our life to mean more than what it is. And I think that's something God put inside of us. And, and a few years ago, me and my boys, we caught the, well, we've always had it, but we especially caught the adventure bug just a few years ago. And my boys were getting older, and I'd always wanted to take my boys on like a man trip, you know, you know what I mean, man trip. And so we got this idea to go to what's called the Boundary Waters. And these are the waters in between Minnesota and Canada, and it's very remote wilderness area. And I'm like, we're not just going to go to the Minnesota Boundary Waters. We're going to go into Canada where there's no motorboats allowed and they only let a certain amount of people go in every day. And, and the chances are you won't see any other human being the whole time. And we'll be miles and miles and miles away from the closest ranger station. And all you moms are like, that sounds kind of scary, right? And so I took my two sons, Jason and Levi. Jason's in the middle of the canoe. Levi's up front. Um, and right now they're, they're 15 and 13, so they were probably 13 and 11. And, uh, man, they were so excited. They saved their money. We planned for weeks, and everything was just leading up to this moment. And so we get up in the Boundary Waters. We're having the time of our life. The first night when we set up our tent, it's raining. And we're like, oh, man, this is crazy. And, and so we, we, the, the, next, the next day, we finally get to our, our camping spot where we're going to spend a few nights. And, and it's, it's right next to a waterfall. And so all night long, you just hear this water rushing. And it's just majestic. I mean, you couldn't find a, a more beautiful place in the world. And so much of the time we there, we lucked out with great weather and the water was just like glass. And it was amazing. The first night we got to our campsite, we went out fishing and Jason caught this beast. Look at this. It was like every boy's dream, you know, this thing. And we're in a, mind you, we're in a canoe and these northern pike are like, might as well be sharks. And so this thing's thrashing around in the boat. Um, one of the very next casts, my, I, I, I'm pulling in this big, huge fish, probably about as big as that, and it snaps my father-in-law's pole in half, right? And so it was crazy. The next one that we pulled in was this big one. That, this was B, Levi's biggest fish. And so we're having the time of our life. And so after a few days, we start to head back. And we're canoeing and canoeing and paddling and paddling all day long to get back to our pickup spot where they're going to pick us up and take us back to civilization. And mind you, this entire trip, I'm carrying this map. And I've got it in a, in a, in a uh, clear, waterproof pouch that I stick inside of my uh, life vest as we're, as we're paddling on along. 
And this map, I've got these red dots all over it and stuff written on it because, and these arrows because this is how we know where we're going. And if you could see, there's a lot of room for error. <laughs> there's water and islands all over the place and it's like, you, we, we're portaging, we're carrying the canoe on trails around waterfalls multiple times. Everything starts to look the same. And so we're on our way back. And all of a sudden we're paddling and we're getting fairly close to the next spot where it's like, oh, we're going to have to like know where we're going. And I reach in to grab the map to look at, you know, do a little orienteering and it's not there. And my life flashes before my eyes. I've got my two boys miles and miles and away from help. When the ranger, when we went out, told us, hey, if you get lost, just sit tight. Hopefully somebody will come by. <laughs> and I'm like, I got to get back to church and lead worship on Sunday. And I'm like, we're going to be lost. And so luckily we found our way to the next portage point. And man, this whole time I'm just sweating. I'm like, boys, you, we got to put our thinking hats on. We have to remember how to get back home. And inwardly, I'm freaking out. But I'm like, boys, do you remember? Do you feel like you're going to know? <laughs> and so we get back to the next portage point. We all get out of the boat. We bring the canoe up on the shore. We're about to, like, load it up on our shoulders and walk the trail. And I take off my life jacket, and the map drops. And how, how many of you want to know how relieved I was to have the map again? It had slidden around to the backside of my of my life jacket. And I was like, thank you, Jesus. This is a miracle from God. We're gonna get home. Mom's not gonna freak out. We're safe. And so we got home, but man, having a map to show you the way is an amazing thing. And we have this expectation in life. We know how things are gonna go, especially, man, you're a teenager, you got your life mapped out. You're gonna do this, you're gonna do this. Life is gonna be amazing. You're going to be a millionaire by the time you're 25, right? And then that sinking feeling in our gut comes when we lose the map. And you that are a little bit older, you know what I'm talking about. You get to that point in life where you're like, where am I? What in the world happened? I thought I knew what was going to happen in life. And a bomb blew up in my life. And I don't know what's going to happen anymore. Maybe it was when you hit adolescence, right? Which isn't a matter of if, but when. When you lose the map, when you had a failure to launch, maybe you're in your mid-20s, early 30s, and you're still living at home. That happens because people lose the map. Maybe you were successful at work, but you, your life was a disaster at home. And you're like, where's the map for this? These kids didn't come with an instruction manual. Maybe you lost the map when you're expectations were completely dashed when you got married and it wasn't what you expected. Maybe you lost the map when you were really talented, but you had no character. And because you had a lack of character, your talent took you to a spot that your character couldn't keep you and your life fell apart and you lost everything. Maybe you lost the map when the unexpected happened and you found yourself in the middle of a divorce and a broken family. Maybe you lost the map when your life was derailed by addiction that you thought you could handle, but you got to a place where you figured out, man, it was handling you. 
Maybe you lost the map when you got sick. And you're like, God, why? Like, really sick. Maybe the big C word hit you, cancer. Maybe COVID hit somebody in your family, bad. And you're like, God, where's the map? Maybe things just are going great. None of those big life-altering things happen, but you still feel empty. And you feel like, man, man, you've taken the path that life, you thought life was supposed to have for you, but it didn't add up. And you feel like you lost the map. In these times, we ask ourselves the question, why am I here? You see, why is a powerful question. If you're, why, why is it so big, such a big question? Because if your why is big enough, you can do any what. Your why in life empowers the what in your life. What you do on a daily basis is empowered by why. But without a powerful why, we're always chasing purpose, but we're never catching it. And so to discover, and so to discover your why today, let's talk about a path to purpose this morning because we need a map. Without the map, we're blind on the journey. We're lost in the wilderness of life. And so if you want to grab your notes in your seat today, there's a pen in front of you or the notes are on the app, the Mosaic app, if you want to download it, Mosaic Church. Number one, how to find my purpose. Let's dig in today. The first step to, for every single person on the face of this planet, no matter who you are, if you want to find your purpose, number one, we discover Jesus. We discover Jesus. Discovering Jesus is a part of every single person's purpose. In Acts 17, 27 through 28, it says, his purpose, who is him, God, his purpose was for the nations to seek after God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us, for in him we live and move and exist. So what was his plan for all nations, all people, you and me, every single person in this room and every single person that you will ever meet, his purpose was for you to find him. In Colossians 1.16, it says, Christ, the one that we're celebrating that rose from the dead today, Christ the, is, the in, is the visible image of the invisible God. Have you ever wondered, man, I just want to see you, God. I just want to know that you're real. We're, we know that Christ is real because he rose from the dead. Eyewitnesses saw him. It really happened and it changed history. And so Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. It says everything, everybody say everything, was created through him and for him. Do you ever feel, though, that, man, it's, the Bible says he's so close, but it feels so far? It's because we got to discover him. You've got to come to a place where you see him for who he really is. And so here's the miracle. The miracle is that Christ, and, and it's kind of an, or, uh, an, a paradox there. It says that his purpose was for us to seek after him, feel our way towards him, although he's not far. In him, we in him we live, in him we move, in him we have our being. But here's the miracle. He came close. In Matthew 4, 18 through 19, it says this. One day, as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, also called Peter, and Andrew, throwing a net into the water, for they fished for a living. Jesus called out to them, come, follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. 
And they left their nets at once and followed him. Now get this. Two guys, normal dudes, doing their day job, just like you and me. They weren't special. They didn't go to seminary. They didn't go to college. They were just two guys. They weren't in church. And Jesus met them where they were, in the monotony of life. Jesus came close. And they knew that there was something different about Jesus. They knew that something changed when they met him. I love what John Piper says. He says, if you can't see the sun, you'll be impressed with a streetlight. He said, if you've never felt thunder and lightning, you'll be impressed with fireworks. He goes on to say, and if you turn your back on the greatness and majesty of God, you'll fall in love with a world of shadows and short-lived pleasures. You see, these guys knew when they saw Jesus that there was something else about him. He wasn't just another dude. He wasn't just another man. He was Jesus. I think that the disciples were in a place where they knew that Jesus had more to offer them than the world did. Peter knew Jesus was something special. They attached themselves to Jesus. They followed him at once. They began learning, watching, asking questions. I just want you to know today, no question you have is too big for Jesus. He'll answer every, every single one of them if you let him and give him a chance. The Bible says if you seek him with all of your, your heart, you will find him. After journeying with Jesus for a while, Peter came to this point of realization. In Matthew 16, 13 through 16, Listen, it says this, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do you say that the son of man is? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others say Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. Then he asked them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. See, Jesus is standing right here in this room today and he's asking every single one of you, who do you say that I am? Peter had gone on this journey and discovered Jesus. Why do you think Jesus asked them this question in this place? You see this town called Caesarea Caesarea Philippi. It was a pagan place. It was a place where they did horrible things. There, there were Greek sanctuaries which were built to, to worship the god Pan. Worship of this God included really strange stuff we can't talk about because there's kids in the room. It was so wicked that it was like a sin city, kind of like today's Las Vegas. Rabbis, Jewish rabbis, forbade a good Jew to go there. And still Jesus brought his men here anyway and revealed to them that he was the promised Messiah. Why there? I think it says something to you and to me today. It was a simple way to let the world know, both seen and unseen, that there was going to be a coming battle for the souls of men. 
Because Jesus was fighting for you. He fought a battle on the cross. He went in the grave. He went down to hell. He took the keys of death, hell, and the grave. He rose again for you and for me. And so when Jesus made this proclamation right next to Caesarea Philippi in the, in the worst of the worst places, it's because he went to the broken. He went to the, the people just like you and me who were chasing purpose in all kinds of places where they would never find it. And in that place where the people were so lost and they'd lost the Peter made this declaration, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. They did it here to proclaim that Jesus was indeed the answer for every single person that will ever walk the face of the planet. He sees you. Even if you're in a really dark place today, he sees you. And I guarantee you, when you spend some time with Jesus, you'll come to the same conclusion. The second thing we need to do in our chasing of purpose is number two, we need to admit my need for him. We've got to admit our need for him. It's one thing to discover Jesus. A lot of people discovered him. A lot of people heard of him. A lot of people went to the meetings where he healed people and preached and taught. It was another thing to admit, I need him. It's one thing to come to a mental ascent that Jesus is God. It's one thing to think he's great, that he was a good person, that he was a good teacher, that he changed the world. It's another thing to recognize that I am desperately in need of a savior, to personalize it. I need you. It's a totally different state of mind. What do we call Jesus? We call him the savior. And guess what? You can't have a savior without a sinner. And so all of us have to come to this place where we realize, man, I'm a sinner, I need him. We're going through the journey of Peter today. And so check out what happened later on in Matthew in in chapter 26. In verse 31, it says, on the way. On the way where? On the way to the cross. Jesus was headed to his death. It says, Jesus told them, tonight all of you will desert me. Everybody say, even me. All of you will desert me. For the scriptures say, God will strike the shepherd, that's Jesus, and the sheep, that's us, the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have been raised from the dead, I will go ahead of you to Galilee and meet you there. Now get this. Jesus is like, all y'all are going to desert me. All y'all are going to fail. But hey, I'm going to meet you on the other side. Isn't that cool? Peter declared though, Remember, Peter, he's the man and he thinks he knows it all. So Peter declares, even if everyone else deserts you, I will never desert you. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, Peter, this very night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times that you even know me. No, Peter insisted, even if I have to die with you, I will never deny you. And all the other disciples vowed the same. Are you ever really sure of yourself? I got a hunch that some of you came in today and you're just really sure of yourself. You're like, I'm not going to listen to this preacher. I'm just coming for my, for my spouse. I'm just coming for my mom. Grandma invited me. I'm just trying to be nice to my neighbor. I ain't listening. Kind of like, remember Uncle Rico and Napoleon Dynamite? He's like, I bet I could throw a football over those mountains. That's you. And you're like, I can do it. The disciples were so sure they were in it to win it. 
But Jesus knew their frailty and he still loved them and he still loves you. So in Matthew 26, a little bit later, in the chapter, verse 74 and 75, it said this. Peter swore, a curse on me if I'm lying. I don't know the man because people were like, you were with him. And immediately, (laughs) the rooster crows, right? Suddenly, Jesus' words flashed through Peter's mind. Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times that you even know me. And what Peter do? He went away weeping bitterly. You ever come to that moment where you're like, I can't. God, I screwed this life up. I lost the map. I can imagine Peter had no clue what he was going to do after that. He had royally messed up. In the book of Luke, it says that when this happened, this is what, this is what the book of Luke says, that Jesus turned and locked eyes with Peter. It says at that moment, the Lord turned and looked at Peter. So can you imagine the scene? Peter is in the same space as Jesus. I don't know how far away Jesus was, but he was close enough to be able to turn and look and see Peter. Here's what else we know. If you think that night was bad for Peter, imagine the aftermath, the guilt, the shame. He's probably saying to himself, he told me I had three chances. How in the world could I screw that up? Here's what else we know. Those roosters, they kept crowing every morning for the rest of Peter's life. It served as a reminder to Peter that he had failed. Mark Batterson, I love him, he's a great writer, and he says, the devil doesn't just prowl like a, prowl like a roaring lion, he crows like a rooster. And he wants you to think you're so not good enough. He wants you to think that you can't. So what happened after that? Jesus was in the grave Friday night. And guess what happened Saturday morning? You're like, how many times are you going to play that? <laughs> and guess what ha- happened next? Jesus was in the grave Saturday night. And guess what happened Sunday morning? <laughs> but early on Sunday morning, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb, found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance, and guess who she ran and found? Peter. John 23, it says, Peter and the other disciples started out for the tomb. They were running, but the other disciple, probably John, outran Peter and reached the tomb first. You see, they believed as soon as they heard, as soon as they heard Mary Magdalene, because she said, hey, somebody stole the body, but they knew. Why? Because Jesus had said, when I'm raised from the dead, go meet me. I'll meet you on the other side. So they're running to the grave. The first people to believe was the one who carried the most guilt at the time, Peter. You might think that you have all the reason in the world to be unlovable by God, but he knows you and all of your imperfections, and he loves you still. Amen? 
1 Timothy 1.15, it says, this is a trustworthy saying and everyone should accept it. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners and I am the worst of them all. You and I can confidently stand up today and admit our need for a savior and say, I'm the worst, even me. Jesus, I screwed up, I lost the map, I threw it away, I burnt it in the fire, I have no idea where I'm going, but you still showed up on the other side for me. You listen for the rest of Peter's life. The rooster was a reminder of God's grace, all because of the resurrection. So when we hear, we hear God's grace, not our failure. When you hear that, you don't hear, oh, I messed up. You hear, oh, God is so good. Amen. The third thing that we want to do if we chase our purpose is boldly follow Jesus into your purpose. Boldly follow him. Not just half-heartedly, not just like I'm going to show up in Easter and Christmas. I'm going to boldly follow Jesus. You see, when, when you frame Peter's experiences with Christ, when you frame his experiences with Jesus in two buckets, you have pre-resurrection and post-resurrection, it gives you a whole new light into his journey. John 21.3 says, Simon Peter said, and remember, this is after the resurrection. Simon Peter says, I'm going fishing. We'll come too, they all said. So they went out in the boat, but get this, they caught nothing all night. So Peter He messed up. Jesus was risen again. And what does he do? He goes right back to his occupation before he knew Jesus. And I just love the fact that they caught nothing all night. Because what does that say to me and you that we can't do it without him? We can't live this life without him. You try to run away from your purpose, your God-given purpose, and you're going to catch nothing all night. Jesus had risen. What did the disciples do? They go back to fishing and they were completely useless. We know many times the power of God, but we go back to those old habits that are but a shadow of our true purpose, our destiny, and our calling. And so pre-resurrection, Peter was a failure. Post-resurrection, Jesus is risen, but Peter is still acting like a failure. And so what does Jesus do? Miracle number two. Peter's fishing again, and Jesus shows up on the shore. He tells them, cast your nets on the other side. They don't recognize this Jesus. So what do they do? They're like, okay, they throw their nets on the other side. They catch more fish. The boat can barely haul it in. When Peter realizes it's Jesus, he jumps out of the boat in his clothes and gets to shore to see Jesus. What does that tell us? That Jesus' love for you isn't based on your performance. If it was, we all messed everything up a long time ago. I love what Proverbs 16, 9 says. It says, we can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. And so Jesus gets Peter on the beach. He's got breakfast cooking for him. He sits him down and Jesus is challenged. Jesus challenges Peter. Jesus did not give up on Peter and he's not giving up on you today. Fast forward. So Jesus reinstates Peter on the beach, calls him to ministry once again, basically says, I know you messed up, but hey, we're moving forward. We're not looking back. What happens after this? Peter obeys Jesus. Peter stays in Jerusalem like Jesus told him to do. 
Peter and, and 120 people in the upper room were filled with the Holy Spirit, power and high, so that they could be Jesus' witnesses to the whole entire world. As soon as that happened, Peter steps out on the porch and preaches a message for the history books. He preaches the message that Jesus really is who he says he is, that he really came to save people, that he really is the Messiah. He gets out there and he says, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. He says things like this, everyone, everybody say everyone. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Repent and be baptized. We saw baptism today. Why? Because that's what we're supposed to do after we give our heart and life to Christ. Repent and be baptized, every one of you. Be saved. And then what happened in Acts 2.41, it says, those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day, about 3,000 in all. So Peter goes from failure to being used by God in a, a period of 40 days. Mind-blowing. And you think it's going to take your whole life for God to begin to use you. You think you're going to have to spend your whole life undoing what you did, undoing who you've been, undoing the bad choices you made, finding your map again. No. You need an encounter with Christ. You need an encounter with Jesus. You need to recognize that he's real. Discover him. Admit your need for him and boldly follow him. Later in Acts 4.13 when they're being interrogated by the powers that be, it says this, the members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see that these were ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures. They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. He'd been with Jesus. This is the why of our life. Why did you wake up this morning? To be with Jesus. Why are you here tomorrow? To be with Jesus. Why are you here on this planet? To be with Jesus. So what are you going to do with Jesus? You see, the resurrection reframes your purpose. Maybe this last year, you lost your job. You got depressed. Your world was turned upside down. You lost all your savings. Stuff happened. Maybe you're just feeling this deep need to connect. You're confused with the world. You lost your map. But maybe when you lose your map, you have a chance to find God's map for your life. I just want to encourage you this morning, don't interpret the goodness of God through your circumstances. Don't use 2020, all this junk that's happened, to, to tell you who God is. But interpret your circumstances through the goodness of God. Jesus, because you died for me on the cross, because you rose again on the third day, I'm able to face this life head on with purpose, with a destiny and a calling, knowing that you can even use me. Somebody needs to discover Jesus today. We're going to close here in a minute. The band's going to come, get ready. We're going to sing more, one more worship song that just, that just talks about how good Jesus is. <clears throat> but as they get ready and as we sing this song, I believe there's somebody here today that needs to know Jesus. There's somebody here today that needs to discover, admit, and boldly follow Jesus. There's somebody here today that lost their map, 
and needs to get right with God, needs to get on his path. If that's you today, if everybody could just bow your heads and close your eyes. Jesus, I thank you for every single person in this place. And we just invite your Holy Spirit right now to come and do what only you can do. The Bible says that we can only come to you through the power and the working of the Holy Spirit, that every single one of us, we become aware of our need for you when the Holy Spirit works in our life. And so right now, we just invite you, Holy Spirit, to convict our hearts. God, to do what only you can do. God, to meet people right where they're, where they're, where they're, where they're at. God, I pray against any lie of the devil that is telling people they're not good enough, that they can never come back from what they've done, that they can never be who God has created them to be. I pray for every single person in this place that the walls would be broken down in their life between them and you and that people could see you for who you really are, the savior of the world. If you're here today and you say, Joe, I discovered Jesus today and I, would, I want to admit that I need a savior and give my life to Christ. If that's you, I, I want to challenge you to do something bold. You know, everybody's eyes are closed, their heads are bowed. And so I'm not gonna embarrass you, but could you do something bold to, to God in front of Jesus today? And just say, that's me and raise your hand. And by an upraised hand, you're saying, Jesus, I wanna give my life to you. I wanna give my life to you, Jesus, all of me. You gave yourself for me on a cross. You rose again on the third day. Also, I could have a relationship with you. Here's my life, God. Time's not out. You can still raise your hand and give your life to Christ today. Is that you? Is that you today? Amen. Thank you so much, those that raised your hand and inviting Jesus into your life today. I'm going to pray a prayer, and I just ask every single person in this room to repeat this prayer after me. Let's invite Jesus into our hearts and let's pray this prayer with those that raise their hand. Repeat after me. Let's say, Jesus, I believe you died for me on the cross and you rose again on the third day. I've discovered you today. I admit my need for you today. Forgive me. Wash away my sin. Only you can do it. I give you my life. Help me to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. I just want to encourage you, if you prayed that prayer, invited Christ into your life, there's a party going on in heaven for you right now. And not only that... Not only that, we are so excited for you. You just stepped onto God's map. You stepped onto his map. You're walking with him. If you need a Bible, we'll get one in your hand. Uh, you can see the info center in the lobby after church. But stand with me. We're going to worship Jesus one more time before we're dismissed. Let's sing this song together.